You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Mic check, mic check. We're live. We're not we're live. We're not live, but we're here. I'm talking into a microphone. That means it is time for another Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, and here we are. Uh, tonight, it's late, like it always is, and uh, <laughs> it literally took me two hours tonight to put a four-year-old and a two-year-old in bed. Now, if I was to sit down and write instructions on how to do that, um, it would be 57,000 pages long because there's so many different scenarios that come up. I'm thirsty. I got to go potty again. No, I don't want to read that book. We read that book last night. Let's read this book. No, I want to read this book again. Hey, where's my Mickey Mouse? No, this is the wrong juice. No, I said I wanted milk. Dad, my pajamas itch. Okay. Um, All that stuff, right? I am a man. I am married. I am middle class. I have three children. And uh, tonight... I'm solving my problems like many of us probably do. And that is with a very tall glass of very cheap whiskey. And and uh, that's how I'm spending my time editing tonight. Sipping on some, some stuff that I probably will never drink again, to be honest with you. Anyway, that's beside the point. Tonight, today, tonight, whatever, is the ATA recap podcast and I was going to sit and do this by myself but then I thought holy cow that would be boring as shit so I felt like I needed to bring on someone else who was there right and I run into this guy every year at the ATA show he's a good egg his name is Justin Czar. You might know him from the Bow Hunt or Die web show. He kind of helps run bowhunting.com website. And uh, they go there every year and they cover a lot of different products. So shout out to bowhunting.com. If you want basically the best 
coverage of the ATA show, you need to go to bowhunting.com, check it out, or go to YouTube and uh, check out uh, all the videos that they launched this year on all the different products. Now, we're going to get into products today, and we're going to talk about you know some things that you know stick out but a lot of that shit's been beat to death already even after a week after the show so we do touch base on a little bit of that but we also talk a lot about the hunting industry where we think it's going how it's changed over the years and you know you could almost chalk this up as a bs session as well so justin czar i've known him for damn near 10 years maybe more now and uh we always get together at the ata show and uh talk about life with kids because he's got three kids i got three kids we both bow hunt he's just a lot skinnier than me now so today what are we doing today let me check the piece of paper we got to do a commercial right i got to pay my bills and let's see last week we did ozonics and what is next on the list Lone wolf tree stands. All right, <laughs> guys, you know I'm a running gun fool, right? That's how I approach every hunting season. I have a handful of really quality uh, rut spots in pinch points set up before the season starts. But then I'm a running gunner, man. You know, And a lot of times, just like this past year, I only sat one time in one of my pre-hung stands. The rest is a lone wolf assault for the most part most of the time i use a, a lone wolf assault with four climbing sticks and that gets me absolutely anywhere i need to be and i go where the deer are i don't wait for them to come to me i'm 100 percent mobile and i do that with a lone wolf tree stand they are made in america they are badass um, i recently took an instagram picture uh, posted an Instagram picture of the first two lone wolf tree stands that I ever bought. Uh, and I still have them, man. Uh, they are kick-ass, they're quiet, and they work on trees that are not straight. I don't know how important, like that is so important when you're trying to choose the right spot, right? These tree stands that you have to have a perfectly straight tree, it blows my mind how people don't get that that right there is a problem because not all trees are straight up and down, especially where you need to be, not where your tree stand allows you to be. So uh, think about that the next time you're purchasing a tree stand. Lone Wolf tree stands. They are a badass tree stand. Now, here's the discount code. I'm just going to straight up give it to you. 9FC50. Okay, you use that discount code and you're going to get 50% off all orders over $200, right? A ton of people have taken advantage of that uh, of that discount code. So be sure to take advantage of it right now today. All right, when you hear this, go and buy it. Or call them up and say, old Nine Fingers sent me. So Lone Wolf, that was the commercial. Hope you guys are happy. It's over. Let's get into today's ATA recap podcast with my good buddy, Justin Czar. Mike, check, Mike, check. Justin Czar, are you there? I am absolutely here. If you don't know who Justin Czar is, he's probably one of the top five biggest names in the entire hunting industry. And I would say the top five biggest names you've never heard of. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's that's the best list to put me on. <laughs> Who's that guy? I don't know, but he looks important. <laughs> I've seen I've seen that guy on the internet somewhere. He's got a show. Yeah, yeah. So Justin Czar, um, for just real quick, you've been on the podcast a couple times before, but uh, yep. for those who don't know, quick introduction and what do you do for a living? Sure. Uh, well, I guess as it pertains to, to hunting in the outdoors industry, uh, I am the general manager at bowhunting.com and the co-host of the Bowhunter Die uh, web show. So that's that's my reason that I'm here. I'm supposed nobody cares what my real day job is. We <laughs> built we build websites and do IT consulting for a living, but nobody cares about that. I tell you what, I kind of care about that because <laughs> everybody sees the Justin Czar that's on Bowhunter Die and you know on Bowhunting.com, but you, and that's just a little part of what you do. But you sure. live you live that cubicle life a little bit as well. Yeah, fortunately, we don't have cubicles. We have more of an open workspace, which is good and bad, right? There's zero privacy. It's an impossible to have a conversation uh, on the phone with a customer without everybody in the office hearing it. Um, but not a cubicle, yeah. I mean, we have a we have an office here. We're just outside of Chicago, um, you know. But I basically, you know, for all intents and purposes, run you know, the Rhino Group web development business. And then we have an IT consulting company called ICS Solutions, uh, you know, that Todd Graff started about 22 or 23 years ago now. So my uh, 7.30 to 5.30 job most of the time is is running those two organizations. And then we kind of squeeze in the bowhunting.com and bowhunter die stuff uh, in the gaps there. Right. So, yeah, I, I very much live that office life, hunt on the weekends, uh, vacation time that everybody else does. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, first, before we get into the meat and potatoes of what we're going to talk about today, which is the ATA show, we, you haven't been on the podcast for a while, and I want to talk to you a little bit about how your actual season went this year. So sure. high level, fill us in. How did your season go? Uh, a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Um, you know, overall, I think it was pretty successful in that I, I managed to put my tag on a pretty good buck here in Illinois. Uh, not a mega giant by any means, but also a good solid deer. Uh, so I was very happy with that. Uh, unfortunately, downs, you know, I did. Uh, I should have filled both of my tags here in Illinois. You know, I, I uh, muffed a shot early in, in or later in October uh, on a nice four-year-old deer that I was chasing and fortunately didn't didn't kill the deer. Um, so that's, I guess a plus he's still running around out there to hopefully chase next year. Um, so yeah, I mean, good and bad. Right. And then the other downside of my season was, you know, I had a, a really, really big buck that I was, was hoping to chase, uh, this year that unfortunately just kind of dropped off the planet, uh, at the end of October. I don't know if he just moved somewhere else. I don't know if he got hit by a car poached, killed by another hunter. I literally, he just vanished in the into thin air, which was a shame because I kind of, uh, was looking forward to really having the opportunity to, to hunt that deer. And I didn't get much uh, of an opportunity before he disappeared. So that was kind of the, the down, but, uh, it's only a deer and who knows, he could still be out there somewhere. That's right. So that particular buck, I remember actually, whether it was a text message or an actual phone call that me and you had just catching up, uh, before that season started, you mentioned you were chasing a big one and, I 
I was kind of curious about that. You said he disappeared. Did you do any follow up with any like neighbors or landowners to to see if maybe they got him on camera? Yeah, believe me, we've asked around and sent photos around to everybody we can think of in the area that we know around us and no confirmed, you know, anything. You get a couple people that are like, yeah, my buddy over there saw a really big buck. It was probably about a 190, you know, but that's, I mean, about it, nothing, no hard evidence, you know, and unfortunately for us, you know, being here in the Chicagoland area, there's, there's hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, you know, and we're right next to a very major highway. I mean, it's entirely possible. He was crossing the highway one day, you know, gets hit by a car, a passerby, you know, throws them in the back of their vehicle because there's a 195-inch deer laying on the side of the road, and yeah. off he goes, and you never see or, or hear from him again. So that's probably the most likely scenario. You know, I don't think he moved out. Uh, that was a deer that we had pictures of since, since he was literally a year and a half, two and a half, three and a half, four and a half. Like, I don't think he just packed up and left, but I guess you never know. I mean, until we absolutely have confirmation that he's dead i guess i'll hold out a, a teeny weeny little bit of hope that maybe he's still alive well i tell you what i chased a buck for five years and from like four to nine and he disappeared one year in that time span and i didn't see him no trail camera pictures of him and then that next spring uh well excuse me the next growing season in in the summertime he showed up and I was like, he's back. So there, there's a little bit yeah. of hope. I'm pulling for you. Yeah, there's definitely hope. I mean, my other hope is that on that, on that same farm, uh, we had another really, really big three-year-old uh, this year that we have confirmed he is still alive as of the other day. Uh, he's already dropped one of his sides. But, you know, he was, I think, 13 or 14 scorable points this year as a three-year-old. And I just really feel like he's got the potential to blow into an even bigger deer next year than – than the one that went missing. So I'm already kind of like thinking, okay, next year, this is going to be the deer that we target, but only time will tell, you know, we'll see what deer are, are around and available to hunt come October. Right. Right. So any Western trips, I know like what the year before you did a mule deer hunt with uh, yep. our buddy Dustin to crew out at Bighorn Outfitters. Um, yep. Any other trip this year? Uh, not a hundred percent confirmed. I'm going to try to get out there and shoot a Miriam's turkey this spring with Dustin. Uh, And then I'm going to also try to get back in August and late August and shoot an antelope. Nice. Um, Or try to shoot an antelope, I should say. It's not necessarily a guarantee, (laughs) but yeah, both of those are, are on the going to try list. We got to see how, how things go. Um, Kids and whatnot. And you know how that all goes scheduling. So those, those two trips are tentative. I'll get out and do one of them. Uh, I don't know that I'll get both, but as of right now, I'm going to definitely try for both. But that's that's about it this year, and then I'll be back to Illinois for for deer come October. Right. Do you have any points for Iowa? I got a lot of points for Iowa, yeah. You just waiting for the right moment? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I tell you what, here's the hard thing for me as an Illinois resident and always having good deer to chase here is I just have a hard time spending the money on a tag to literally just jump right across the river. Right. You know, some of the some of the ground that I'm hunting, I mean, I, I almost spit on the Mississippi and see Iowa, you right. know, so it's like, man, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty close to Iowa. Do I really want to drop the, you know, whatever it is, five or six hundred bucks on a tag and go over there? And then it's, you know, you got to find somewhere to hunt, right. you know, so then it's like, all right, do I do public or do I try to find a lease for basically one year? 
you know, because then it'll be a couple more years before I can can draw a tag again. So I don't know. I, I think I'm sitting on five or six preference points right now for Iowa because I just kind of keep I just kind of keep buying them because <laughs> I know that it. At a certain point in, in my life, I'm going to pull the trigger on that, but I don't know that it's going to be this year. We'll see. Gotcha. I don't know. Gotcha. Well, you know, the season's over for us, but at the same time, it's just beginning because it like we're so stupid about this, we never really shut it off. And I it's, think it is ridiculous. My buddy that I hunt with, Tom Alford, that's on our pro staff, literally bought, I'm not even joking, he bought a $6,000 brush mower attachment for the front of his <laughs> skid steer because he owns a landscaping company and he's like oh i could you know use this on some landscape jobs every once in a while but he primarily bought it so we can go clear brush <laughs> on on one of our leases and like make food plots and trails and like do things for better deer hunting and we're talking about going out on saturday this weekend and starting to clear brush already so i mean it's like one season just ended and we're already starting work on the next one right man i don't know what it is about animals with horns and antlers that gets men like makes them so stupid yeah it just blows my mind i uh i was writing an article today for we're relaunching turkeyhunting.com here because we own that website as well and i was writing an article today about uh like the five things i like about turkey hunting more than deer hunting and one of them was that there's no drama Right. Right. And it's because turkeys don't have antlers. So nobody really cares. Like you never hear anybody like getting mad that somebody else shot their turkey. Like nobody's (laughs) nobody's naming the turkeys that they get on trail camera. Right. I mean, there's like all these things in the hunting industry and like that drive us guys like crazy about whitetails. But you don't see that in turkey hunting. So it's more drama free. It's a little bit more relaxing of a hunt. Um so, yeah, that was one of my, my points of my article today is that antlers drive us all insane. That's right. That's right. Well, I tell you what, the cool thing about, the cool thing about uh, this podcast is I'm sure that your ki- I can hear your kids in the background. Oh, my God. They're I- literally upstairs <laughs> running around everywhere, driving me insane. This is real life, though, because my kids <laughs> are in the background of this podcast every single day. So to the people who – complain about it tough shit deal with it because this yeah. is hashtag real life hashtag dead life hashtag. i don't know why my wife's not putting them to sleep yet it's kind of late it's like they're running around having races right above <laughs> me maybe your wife's favorite television shows on and she's trying to get into it she probably is the bachelor on tonight i don't even know but if it know. is she's probably watching it <laughs> all right ata show ata show ata show and I'm going to start off by saying the ATA show for me is a love-hate relationship. It, a, kind of a necessary evil uh, for a kind of a guy in in uh, my position. And a little bit, sure. I'm guessing, for, for your position as well. But what I want, what I want is for you, on, from your perspective, what is the ATA show? Like for people that don't know what it is or just from my perspective? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, everybody hears about the ATA show. They all, everybody's like, oh man, I really want to go to it. Um, so yeah, first for sure. the average Joe who is not allowed in the doors, what is the ATA right. show? 
Well, the ATA show, it's, so it's the Archery Trade Association, and the, and the ATA is really the, the association that we're all members of that works to kind of further archery in general. So whether that's, you know, lobbying to create legislation or get archery into schools programs or whatever it may be, and it's a way to connect manufacturers with suppliers, with dealers, with uh, box store buyers with the media and press. And that's kind of how we all come together as an industry. So once a year, they put on the show. And essentially, the point of the show is for all the manufacturers to get together and kind of show off their new products for the upcoming year. But then most importantly, for the dealers, you know, the local archery shops to be able to come there. And it's kind of the one time a year they can get all their vendors in one building and they're able to you know, say hi to their sales reps and the people that they talk to on the phone all the time that they never get to see check out the new products and then place orders. Most of the manufacturers run, you know, pretty good ATA show type specials where they can get, you know, better deals by pre-ordering some of these products. And then for us as kind of the press and media, you know, we go there so that we can provide coverage uh, of all the new products. So everybody knows, you know, the consumer ultimately knows what products are coming on the market as they're doing their research for what they want to use for coming years. So that's kind of the show in a, in a nutshell, let's say. Right. Okay. So that's what the ATA show is supposed to be about, right? Sure. <laughs> so, so then there's another tier of the ATA show, <laughs> the underbelly, the of underbelly the of the ATA show. Talk to us about what the underbelly is. Well, I gotta say, this year was hands down a, a better year for just media people, I think, in general. Right. Because a couple years ago when there was this massive boom of, of TV shows that happened, you know, I think at some point I heard somebody throw out a number. There was like 400, you know, hunting TV shows. Well, everybody came to the show. The ATA as an organization really kind of just let anybody in. It wasn't hard to get into the show. And then what happened was all these guys ran around, you know, trying to sell advertising and sponsorships to the manufacturers, which, you know, to a certain extent pissed the manufacturers off because they're there to, to make sales, not necessarily to deal with guys trying to sell them stuff. Right. You know, so and then, then you know, we see the memes floating around and the jokes. It kind of became this popularity contest, you know, people running around almost with like an entourage of people. You know, you'd see these guys <laughs> with their TV shows with like six people following them around. And I was like, you know, what, what is this? So, yeah, there was this kind of like, uh, you know, funny joke, the guys in the bedazzled jeans and the fancy boots and the in the freaking Western, you know, flannel shirts, you know, all trying to kind of outdo one another. But I have to say there was a lot less of that this year and even last year as well. The ATA is really kind of cracked down on, you know allowing people into the show. I mean, you know how, how much more difficult it is to get a pass oh, yeah. to get into the show these days. Plus they're charging a little bit more money, you know? So like us as, you know, we go to cover the show as media, you know, they used to let media in for free. So what happened was everybody with a YouTube channel and a blog and a website was getting in for as media. Well, now they kind of vet us and make us actually prove that we're a legitimate media entity, you know, so we have to go through that hoop and then they charge us, I think, a hundred or one hundred fifty dollars a badge yeah. to get in, which, you know, for us, I think I'm bringing 12 guys to the show. So, I mean, it's costing us, you know, fifteen hundred bucks, you know, just to walk walk in the door. Right. So it's definitely seems like it's weeded out a little bit of that, um, you know, guys running around, you know, pretending to be media or trying to, you know, sell their TV show. I think there's definitely been a drop off in the amount of of people trying to to peddle their tv show sponsorships to anybody that'll listen to them right 
right? But I, I will say this. With all that said, stereotypes come from a real place. And, Absolutely. <laughs> and when you said the bedazzled jeans, not so much this year, uh, like you said, but other years, man, you hit it. You nailed it. Well, I mean, everybody, everybody got shamed. They saw all the memes floating around. And they were like, oh, crap, I can't I can't do that. I don't want to be that guy now. So it kind of ruined it for the rest of us that like to make fun of those people because they caught on to the fact that they were getting made fun of. And then they changed. And then they changed. And then now we don't now. What did what was there to make fun of this year? I don't know. Everybody was just kind of normal this year. Kind of upset me a little bit. I saw a few guys in their their fancy jeans that they went to to buckle and they stocked up on before uh, before the show. But not not as many. So I don't know. I'll have to go through my footage and see if there's any trends in uh, fashion at this year's ATA show. I'll tell you what I like about the ATA show. It is the down home, like the mom and pops stores, yeah. right? The, the archery dealers of the world that have, you know, run shops out of their basement or very small, you know, back rooms of some other place. And they have an archery shop there. And, you know, some of those guys and like I... <laughs> This is what I, I get a kick out of. And I call it the I don't give a shit guys because they're <laughs> wearing head to toe camo in public and they're not hunting. Oh, Th- yeah. Those guys. That's a lifestyle, man. Yeah. They wear that stuff everywhere. It's not just the ATA show. The church. They literally wear that everywhere they go. The church. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, uh, I love it. I love it. And those are, I tell you what, those are the people that I, I get excited to meet when I go. It's be- because, Honestly, they are in a way not, you know, and it's slowly dying off, but they're in a way still driving the industry. Absolutely. I mean, there's still, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, you look at the top bow manufacturers that are out there, they're all still dealer direct, right? right. I mean, you look at Matthews, Bowtech, Hoyt, you know, Elite. I mean, you can't walk into a Cabela's or a Bass Pro or a Dick's or a Shields and buy, well, I guess maybe Shields a little bit. You know, they're maybe a little bit different, but most of those place, bows, you can't walk into a box store and buy them. So they're still very much being supported by that dealer base that's out there. And you're right. I mean, they are still, you know, supporting the archery industry. There is a, I mean, there's a trend, you know, it's not just the archery industry. It's just the world as a whole, you know, right. and w- regardless of what your enthusiasm, you know, what you're enthusiastic about, whether it's cycling or whether it's golf or whether it's anything else, like everything's becoming commercialized where you can, you know, walk into Target or Walmart and buy, you know, equipment nowadays, you don't necessarily need to go to the specialized provider. So it will be interesting to see, you know, long term, you know, what happens. I don't think uh, archery shops are going to go away, but it's certainly, you know, that business is is not an easy business for for those folks to run. And, you know, my hat's off to them. You know, anybody that's able to to pull that off and make a successful living out of it, you know, is is doing a, a good job. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I want to talk a little bit about products, right? And I don't necessarily want to talk about some of the big products that have already been beat to death because this is going to be coming out on a Friday. And it, that's been a whole week since the ATA show. It's been a whole week right. since the ATA show. And, you know, some of these some of these products like the Primos Blind, the Garmin site, I'm trying to think of, uh, do you have another... The, I- yeah, that IQ site that was yeah. similar to the Garmin with the rangefinder. Yeah, those right. are the quote unquote most talked about products of the show that everybody, like you said, is kind of kind of beat to death already. Right, right. Now, some of the cool things that I liked, like this year, what I did is there's those two walls, right? 
and they have they're the small booth, small companies, like first time at the ATA show, and sometimes their products are horseshit, and sometimes their products are just like <laughs> make you go, oh wait, you got you might have you might have something there. More often than not, they fall into the horseshit category. <laughs> <laughs> that that is called the innovation zone, which That's is right. essentially referred or reserved for like first time people at the show. Yeah. And for us as like media people, uh, honestly, and I know everybody's maybe going to get mad at me for saying this, but like we try to avoid that section because it is like I, I, the only way I can picture it is if you remember like the old like an old zombie movie where the people are like on top of the building. And the zombies are all like down below, like trying to grab them. That's kind of what the innovation zone is like when the media walks by because, and I get it. They're all small companies and they're all trying to like get the word out about their product. But for us, like we get sucked into this huge time sink of like people being like, take my product, please just take it, just try it, just use it. And it's like, you know that the product is horrible and you're never going to want to use it and they have zero chance for success. So we honestly, we try to like kind of avoid that area so we don't just get like pulled in by the zombies and and torn apart over there. Although there, there is, like you said, there's a few things over there every once in a while that are really cool ideas where you go, man, why the hell didn't I think of that? Right, right. So backing up just a bit, you know, you guys through bowhunting.com have a, you know, an obligation. I mean, you you guys have a goal when you get there, and that's to go and interview, uh, uh, you know, a lot of companies and, you know, get to know their new products or new companies or whatever. So sure. what do you got? I mean, what's your goal at bowhunting.com as far as how to cover what to cover? Right. Well, I mean, our primary goal is to provide the most comprehensive coverage of the show of anybody that goes there. You know, hence the reason we bring so many people. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of booths. It's literally like it's almost impossible to get to all of them. So our goal in years past used to be physically cover as many as possible. And we used to shoot maybe 400 videos right while we were at that show. And what we found out was happening was and you know this as well as anybody you walk around the show and. I don't know how many people are making uh, quivers and wrist slings and stabilizers and accessories that are all necessary and good, but they're stuff that people don't really care about. Nobody wants to watch a video about your you know, silicone wrist sling that doesn't absorb any scent. Like, nobody cares. So we were wasting our time kind of filming product videos on stuff that people didn't, weren't interested in. So last year we kind of switched gears and we said, okay, let's make sure that we cover – the products that we know people are going to want to know about. And it seems to be, you know, people are most interested about technology, right? So whether that's, you know, the range finders in the sites, whether that's cellular trail camera technology, whether that's advancements in clothing technology, like the big stuff, like that's what people want to know about. They don't necessarily care if your 16-foot climbing stick now comes in a 20-foot version and is camouflage. Well, big deal. So, you know, for us, like, we try to kind of cherry pick what we think are going to be the best products of the show. You know, we try to hit the big manufacturers that everybody knows. You know, like, everybody's going to want to know what's new from, you know, not just our sponsors, but everybody, right? So whether you're, you know, Rage Broadheads or NAP Broadheads or, you know, the big companies that everybody thinks about, we try to cover, like, what's new from those guys. And then, you know, as we talk to guys like you or just other people we run into from the show, we start maybe hearing about products here and there that, you know, we didn't catch in our first time through the show. And then we try to make sure that we we hit those people as well. So this year, I want to say we ended up 
uh, right around 180 to 200 total videos, you know, films. So maybe half of what we did a couple years ago. But the videos are a little bit longer, more in depth, a little bit higher quality than they used to be. Um, so that's that's kind of our goal for now. I mean, obviously for Todd and myself, the first thing uh, we do is we go to all of our our partners that we work with, and we kind of give them priority coverage, right? I mean, they're the guys that that pay the bills and allow us to to do what we do. So, you know, those, those companies kind of get priority coverage from Todd and myself on, on day one. And then the rest of our team just fans out across the show and, and goes to town. All right. So with all that said, you walked around to a lot of booths, bowhunting.com walked around to even more booths as a whole. Was there any products aside from those, you know, the, the Primos blind, the, the, the Garmin site, the, the IQ site that really stood out to you that was either, you know, brand new type of product or brand new technology or maybe a refinement on a current product that stood out? Man, I got to be honest with you. I'm not sure there really was anything that really stood out like for me, I think it's all about the incremental improvements of products as as time goes on. You know, I, you and I kind of talked before we started recording that I think a lot of people go into that show every year with these almost unrealistic expectations of like they want to see this, you know, most awesome new product they've ever seen in their lives. And when they don't see it, they're like, well, what the hell? You guys, you know, suck at innovating. Well, you know, not necessarily, you know, these companies, uh, most companies in the archery industry are pretty small businesses and making huge, huge leaps in, in technology and advancements just every year just isn't feasible. For me, I like the stuff that kind of, I guess, maybe is going to make my life easier as a bow hunter or fill a, a need or a gap maybe that I have, you know, in my way that I hunt. So I'll give you an example of something that's stupidly simple that nobody else was doing in the hunting industry yet. And that is dead downwind making their laundry detergent in the little like pouches. Right. right. Like why doesn't everybody do that? I mean, what the hell, yeah. you know, I'm a guy, I hate measuring out. I never know how much to use. Should I do one cap full, two cap, full, whatever. Now I just take the stupid thing, throw it in my laundry and it's done. Right. I mean, that's like, it's not, this isn't new technology, but it's the first time it's been available in, in the hunting space. Right. So like, I, I, I like that. Uh, there was a company called Dynatech uh, that had this pretty cool product uh, that you apply to, really you can apply it to anything, but it, mostly they're marketing it for arrows. Uh, it's like a two-part treatment that you apply to your arrow that makes it super, super slick. And, and the treatment lasts for like I think they say 200 and 250 shots. Oh, nice. Well, it's kind of the replacement for, you know, having to lube your arrow. If you shoot any sort of 3D, like I shoot an indoor 3D league during the wintertime just to keep shooting my bow and pulling my arrows out of the target, it's a pain in the ass. You know, so the, here these guys come with this product that's been used in the fishing industry and other industries for probably years. And they're like, hey, why don't we apply it to an arrow? Okay, great idea. You know, it's not the flashiest thing in the world, but I, I'm going to order some. And I'm going to treat all my arrows with it, you know, and they say not only do, will your arrows come out of the target easier, but, you know, the theory says that you might get a little bit better penetration when you shoot an animal as well because your arrow is slicker. And the farther my arrow can punch through a deer when I shoot it, the better. So if it costs me $25 to treat a couple dozen arrows with this, this ultra slick stuff, then okay, cool. So, I mean, it's not the flashiest thing in the world, but I'm a pretty easy dude to please when it comes to equipment. I just want stuff that... I think is kind of cool and is going to help me out in, in some way, shape or form. Absolutely. 
absolutely yeah man that makes uh that makes a lot of sense um anything else um trying to think like i mean again one thing i'm excited about you know we work with scentlock um they came out with a really nice mid-layer insulating piece that's got primaloft insulation in it which i love i think that stuff's great and i'm a big layering guy especially like this year we had some super bitter cold temperatures in the late season um so like i think it's great i mean they came out with a jacket and a vest which i'm a huge vest wearer for bow hunting like a nice heavyweight hoodie and a vest is like my favorite thing to wear when i go hunting and now i i have an option to wear that so uh, i was pretty excited about that piece um i think it's cool to see some of the advanced not necessarily advancements but other companies coming out with ozone products as well you know scent crusher's been doing it for a while but you know, they weren't the cheapest products in the world. And I constantly was hearing people say, Hey, I wish these products were a little cheaper. And, you know, now you've got, you know, both HME and Scentlock came out with, with competing ozone products at a little bit lower price point. Um, which I think a lot of guys are going to be happy with. I'm a big ozone believer. Um, I use it a ton on my gear. I think it's awesome for, you know, descenting my boots or my backpack or my safety harness or just all the stuff you can't throw in the wash. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, none of this stuff is groundbreaking technology. And when you see it or hear about it, maybe it's not the thing you run out and tell your buddies about, but it's the stuff that I'm going to you know, drop a few dollars on to have before next season. And I think that's kind of the meat and potatoes of the, of the, of the ATA show just in general is, I mean, there's a lot of those things out there where you're like, that's pretty cool. I'll buy that. But I mean, it's nothing that you're, you're raving about. Um, I think that that victory extortion arrow that came out is pretty cool. I don't know if you saw that thing, but it's got like a stainless steel mesh woven into the into the carbon fiber of the arrow. So I didn't see that, that was kind of a first. Yeah, it's called the Extortion um, by Victory, and it's a it's a small diameter arrow. So it's a, I think it's a two hundred four, which is going to be the same as like a, an Eastern Axis or like a Black Eagle Rampage. You know, it's going to be that same diameter arrow, uh, but it's got a a stainless steel mesh that's woven basically in layers. So like you have a layer of carbon and then stainless steel and then carbon and the stainless steel. And, you know, unlike uh, like an FMJ or something that's got, you know, a full aluminum casing, you know, if that arrow gets bent or that aluminum gets nicked, you know, that arrow's junk. Whereas this, you know, kind of has the strength of that steel in there, but it's also still flexible and the arrow's not going to bend and and stay bent. At least that's the theory, right? I mean, I haven't shot, I haven't shot the things that are not, on the market yet but it was a pretty cool looking arrow i think in terms of aero technology that was one of the cooler things i saw but like anything you know with new technology comes price i want to say they were 170 or 180 bucks a dozen you know so if you want the coolest stuff it costs money man right right um any did you notice any trends because you mentioned ozone right and i that's one thing that i noticed as a trend this year was more companies doing something with ozone whether it's a it was a a company that was already established and brought an ozone product in or a brand new company that focused just on ozone right yeah ozone is definitely a big trend right now i think you know cellular trail cameras are becoming more and more trendy as you start to see prices fall right you know i think primos came out with a 200 dollars cellular camera which is the cheapest one i think on the market most of them were in that like 350 to 500 range right 
you know, so now you got a $200 camera. It definitely puts it in reach for a lot more people. Uh, personally, I know that that's kind of a polarizing topic, you know, uh, cellular trail cameras. I've got a couple of them that I like using, you know, it's just, they're nice when I, I, I put mine in areas that are hard for me to, to get to a lot during the season and where I know like that's a type of camera I'm only going to check every three months. Right. So I'll stick them in those areas and then just not worry about going out there for a while. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, the cell cameras definitely, seems like ground blinds this year, you know, not just the yeah. Primos, but NAP came out with a, a new one, the Mantis, um, Ameristep had a new one out and kind of the, the theme of both of those was kind of this non geometric shape so that they, you know, hopefully can be hidden a little bit easier. They don't look like just a square blob out there. Right. You know, so it seemed like there was a few more ground blinds that I'd seen in the past. Um, and then the other thing that I guess is a trend, if you want to call it that, is just, you know, all these these companies are, are expanding their their product lines and getting into other categories. So if you were traditionally a site company and now you're offering a rest or you're offering a quiver or a stabilizer or whatever the case may be it seems like there's a lot of crossover between companies which means more competition for all of them right whereas right. you know back in the day it used to be like yeah we're a release company there's like that like isn't out there anymore now everybody makes a multitude of products right so right and that yeah. perfect example for that is the you know hawk typically being tree stands introduces sure. a trail camera sure right so yeah, um, which was a cool little camera. Yeah. I mean, that's a uh, a little, for those guys didn't see it, it fits like in the palm of your hand, and it, uh, it has no controls on the camera itself. Uh, you have to connect it to your cell phone via Bluetooth yep. to adjust any of the settings in the phone, But right. let's or in the camera. But let's face it, I mean, like for me, once my camera's set, I'm usually not changing the settings on it very often. Right. I put in the date and the time, the pictures, the, you know, the timeout period, whatever. And from there out, it's pretty much on and off. Right. So not a bad idea. And if it means getting a smaller camera that is maybe less likely to be stolen by some jerk off, yeah. then, then good for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. I guess maybe uh, tell me if you noticed this. I saw a lot of new scent companies whether it was a cover scent or an attractant uh just a lot of new scent related products and companies this year yes not just scents but scent dispersal right is the new thing right, right. and it's just like i never knew we had such a massive problem with dispersing scent in the woods that <laughs> everybody had to run and fill this void to help me get my deer scent out there no wonder i you know, I haven't had luck with deer scents. I just haven't been using them right. But yeah, I definitely have noticed that a lot. There's a lot of these, I guess, uh, more kind of craft, you know, deer lure companies, smaller companies out there. And not just that, but it seems like uh, minerals and other attractants, um, food plot seeds. I feel like there's a million food plot seed companies now. You know, just every time I turn around, there's some guy with just a generic bag with a white sticker on it selling Bob's food plot mix, right, right? You know, best ever. Right. Well, so. the the good thing about new companies, I mean, you know, you need that in an industry, right? I mean, sure. A lot of people are going to fail, but then you have a couple that are going to be successful, and you know, they're just going to be able to contribute to the industry as a whole. But do you have you seen a company out there being very successful, maybe? selling a product and not making necessarily 
you know, not really being too innovative because the product that they do have is just really good and works. Sure. I mean, yeah, there's plenty of them out there. I mean, let, let's face it. There's plenty of products that have been around for a long time that work great that have been working the same for 20 years, you know, and people still buy them, you know, whether that's, you know, muzzy broadheads, just a plain old muzzy or a pack of thunderheads, whether it's a lone wolf stand. I mean, I tell people this all the time when I started working for Todd, it was like 14 years ago. You know, I was in my early twenties and there was no way in hell I could have even dreamed of affording a lone wolf stand, but I always wanted one. Right. Yeah. So, you know, Todd owns a pheasant hunting club here, and I used to work uh, at the pheasant hunting club too. So one weekend he was like, "Hey man, we got to build this this new uh, pen out at the at the pheasant club. I need you to work, you know, like a Saturday or Sunday." And I was like, "Yeah, no problem." So we we literally busted our ass. Me and Todd, another guy, we worked till like ten o'clock at night. We literally had work lights out there, like you know, putting up the chicken wire on this thing. And when we got done, he was like, "Hey, you know, I appreciate you, you know, taking the extra effort today." He's like. Tell you what, you know, I've got a couple stands at the office. You can have a, a lone wolf stand and a set of sticks. And I literally like was <laughs> like riding high for I don't even know how long. I was like, this was the greatest thing that had ever happened to me in my life. But to this day, like I still own that lone wolf stand. Absolutely. I've upgraded the seat on it because they changed the seat a few years back. And I put a new V bracket on it or a, the bat wing bracket. Cause it used to have just the V that rotated. Yep. But other than that, like I did those two things to it, that stand looks as good and works as well as some of the stands that I literally just bought this last year. Right. So, you know, so there is definitely a value to buying, you know, high quality product that's going to last you a long time, you know, versus the, you know, I can't tell you how many other tree stands I've had that either got thrown away or are just rotting away in a tree somewhere that I never went back to. Because I was like, that stand sucked. It was squeaky, <laughs> like whatever. It was too heavy, hard to put up. I mean, I got probably four or five I can think of off the top of my head that are just still up in trees on the on the farm that I hunt that haven't been hunted in, in five to eight years. You know, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely companies out there that you know are certainly not lighting the world on fire with you know new product, uh, but the product that they have works really, really well. You know, right. so sometimes it's the old, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of thing. Right. Absolutely. All right. So archery, that means bows. And, yep. you know, I did a bow recap last year um, with my buddy Ryan Iberg, and I brought him again this year. And we haven't recorded it yet, but it's going to come out pretty soon um, where he went around and he shot all the bows. And one thing that he mentioned to me was, since he started doing this and sh going out and shooting a lot of the bows, he's noticed, you know, that the the companies at the top, even the mid-range companies, the the quality of all the, the the bows are getting closer and closer and closer together where it's really hard to pick the best bow on the market. You know what I mean? It's sure. it all comes down to just little tiny details of what you may like or dislike, you know, personal likes. Yep. So with that said, you uh, what are, you guys are repped by Matthews, right? Yes, sir. Okay, and I'm repped by Gearhead. So aside from Matthews, let's leave Matthews and Gearhead out of it. Was there a bow that maybe you got the opportunity to shoot or maybe not, maybe not even shoot, but you looked at and go, hey, that's kind of cool? 
man, I think they're all kind of cool. I mean, yeah. damn, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of really cool stuff on the market and the advancements just in in engineering and the manufacturing process of how these things are put together. Like, they're pretty badass. And I've been saying this for a long time. You know, I think, you know, major leaps forward in bow technology really peaked probably 10 years ago. You know, the very first bow I ever bought brand new from a bow shop for myself with my own money before we did, were doing any of this, I bought a 2005 Bowtech Allegiance from a local dealer here in Illinois. It was the very first, like, quote-unquote flagship bow I ever owned. And at the time, it cost me, like, 600 bucks, which was a ton of money. And I bought this thing, and great shooting bow. Shot it for a number of years. Loved that bow. But when I look at the specs on that bow versus the specs on the bows we shoot today, right? I think it was, like, a 33-inch axle-to-axle. It was about a 7-inch brace height, and it shot, like, 330 feet per second, right? Which is pretty much what we see on most bows like the gearhead's different right because it's just an entirely different bow right. but when you look at everybody else like that spec of let's say a 30 to 34 inch bow at a six to seven inch brace at 330 to 340 that, that's about where bows have been for the last decade or more now so what we're seeing now is just advancements in what they're calling you know efficiencies in the bow like how efficient is it you know, how much energy does it generate and then transfer into that arrow when you shoot it. And that higher efficiency bows mean they're quieter, mean they're uh, less vibration, they're a little bit more enjoyable to shoot. So that's kind of where everybody's focusing right now is like, how can we make our bows quieter and more efficient? Um, I've always liked Hoyt's, you know, stuff. Um, I think they, that new Red Work stuff that they've got out, I think is pretty cool. Uh, I didn't really take too much of a look at the bow techs this year. Uh, Bears got some really nice stuff. I think they've come a long way uh, in the last few years. I know Martin just re-released uh, a bunch of new bows yep. that a lot of people really liked. Uh, I saw they had some sort of removable weight system in them, both uh, on the top and bottom of the riser, so you could try to kind of balance the bow out a little bit. I thought that was kind of a neat concept. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. You know, when it comes to bows, I think a lot of it is, is personal feel. You know, sometimes when you when you pick up a piece of equipment, like it just feels right to you, right? You know, and that's right. just so important when you're when you're hunting, whether it's your stand or your bow or any other piece of equipment. Like sometimes something as stupid as like a grunt call, like when I pick it up and the way it feels in my hand and, and everything is you know important to a decision that I make on like kind of what gear I want to use. Confidence. So, it's all about confidence. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, hunting is such a mental thing, right? Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of really, really good stuff out there. Um, you know, and I think it, it's been said time and time again, it's kind of beat to death on the forums and social media when it comes to bows. But, you know, go to your local dealer and, you know, shoot as many as you can and decide what works best for you. Right. You know, that's kind of a, a good a good plan. The problem with that, of course, is that, you know, sometimes you're limited in selection. You know, your average dealer is going to carry two to four different lines of bows maybe right. you know so sometimes unless you want to drive a couple hours you're kind of limited to to what's nearby um but yeah i mean i think there's some some really really good stuff out there i think it's an exciting time for archery in general i mean we've got higher quality equipment than we've ever seen you know i remember you know i, I still have my dad's bow here from 30 years ago and the, the thing is i don't know how anybody ever hunted with that thing right you know compared to what we've got now we're just so dang spoiled right absolutely all right the future right um yeah i want to talk a little bit about where you think technology goes i mean do you think we take a huge step forward 
or do you think we take a big step towards traditional? You know, um, traditional archery. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, the the we 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 stay away from technology. We go back to trad bows. You know, I, I want to say flannel <clears throat> and wool, but you know what I mean. Sure, sure. Ah, uh, man, I gotta tell you, it's probably a little bit of both. There's this kind of widening gap I see right. happening, you know, in in bow hunting right now, and it's the guys that are super into the gear and the tech and everything. And then there's the guys that are just like super anti that and want to kind of go the other direction. What I think is going to happen here in the future is, you know, as technology continues to advance, I think it's advancing at at a pace that's a lot faster and things are coming out that uh, when rules and regulations were put into place, you know, people didn't anticipate some of this type of stuff. So I think over the next few years, as technology continues to advance, I think we're going to start seeing some additional, you know, regulation happening uh, surrounding, you know, the the gear that we're legally allowed to use when we go bow hunting. You know, one thing I was talking with some people about, you know, earlier this week was, you know, crossbows specifically, you know, and, and there's been this huge push by a lot of people to get crossbows included into archery seasons and it's happened and it's still happening all over the place right i mean the writing's on the wall that we're not stopping that at this point not that i want to but i think what's happening now is crossbow technology has advanced so rapidly with with the raven bow that came out last year now you're seeing a lot of other people following suit this year with their own versions 10 point came out with a couple new bows um i think cam x had one like almost everybody at this point has a bow that's shooting, let's say, 400 feet a second or faster, and now they're starting to market them as, you know, 100-yard accuracy, right? Whether right. it's the missions, the mission sub one means sub one-inch groups at 100 yards, right? The Raven has a reticle in it where you could shoot out to 200 yards with their with their crossbow. The Raven marketing was your next rifle. So what's starting to happen is I think that they're overshooting, right? There was this right. push to get them in archery, which people reluctantly kind of said, okay, we'll do it. But now they've pushed the boundaries of technology so far that I think there's going to be some recoil from people saying, Hey, wait a minute. When we said we were okay with crossbows in our archery season, they were shooting like 350 feet per second. They, right. they weren't 425 feet per second, nor were you guys marketing them at shooting deer or just shooting at a hundred yards. So I think some of the, um, I, I hate to use the word irresponsible, but maybe just ill thought marketing of some of these crossbows as weapons that can shoot at a hundred yards, put the idea into people's heads that they can go shoot animals just because this, this bow will shoot a hundred yards accurately. Well, hell, I can go shoot a deer at 100 yards with a crossbow, right? right? right. Which we all know is completely irresponsible that nobody should be doing that, right? Because unless you're shooting a, a bullet where the deer can't possibly move quick enough, like even at 400 feet a second, by the time you get 100 yards, who knows? That could, deer could move a whole body length before that arrow gets there. So, But unfortunately, there's a lot of guys out there. We live in a world where people just read headlines and they don't go any farther. Right. So they read a magazine ad that says, your next rifle shoots accurately to 100 yards, and they go, well, shit, I want one of those. So, you know, and that's happening whether it's with crossbows, whether it's with these range-finding sites, whether it's with cellular trail cameras. I mean, we're getting technology that people didn't think we were ever going to have. So I think at some point in time in the next, let's say, five to ten years, we're going to start seeing game agencies 
be a little bit more reactionary to some of this technology and potentially look at, you know, limiting its use, you know, as it, you know, pertains to archery season and, and I guess the sport of just fair chase. Right. 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 So I want to expand on that a little bit when right now it all is about inches of antler, right? I mean, everybody wants to kill a big buck. Do you think there's going to be a time where the record books like Pope and Young or Boone and Crockett say, hey, man, you know, like like they did with long distance shooting. Like I think uh, Boone and Crockett came out with a, a statement that said, if you shoot a animal at this distance, that animal cannot use its defense mechanisms. Therefore, it will not go in our record books. Sure. So do you see any any type of archery like uh cellular trail cameras well you got it on the cell trail camera and you were you know you made a move off that or um some kind of scent elimination or uh, a crossbow where it's by using one of those things they say okay you're that animal will not go in our record books and do you think at that point then it change what people's view of a trophy is I'll be honest with you. I'll take this in a slightly different direction. Okay. I think people don't care as much today about entering their trophies into those books as they used to. Right. Um, have you entered any of your deer into Pope and Young? Officially had them scored and entered? No. Me neither. And I'm literally sitting looking at it, probably a, a half a dozen of them that could could go. Right. Right? And – you know, I remember being young and my, my dad shot a, a moose in, in Canada with his bow uh, on a DIY self-guided type thing back in the 90s. And it was a big moose. And he had it scored officially for Pope and Young. And it was like the biggest news like ever. Like he showed everybody that Pope and Young score sheet. And when the record book came, bam, there was my name in the record book. And it was a big to do. Right. But nowadays we don't need to do that anymore because we've got freaking social media. Right, right. Right. We've got websites like the Pope and young thing used to be kind of a status symbol of look what I accomplished. And now, and that was the only way to really, to really prove it. Well, nowadays all you got to do is, you know, you throw your, your photos up on your Facebook page, your Instagram page, whatever your YouTube channel, because you video the odds or you got a website with a blog. And so nowadays I just feel like guys aren't as interested in having those, a deer officially scored and enter into a record book because they don't need that for the rec in order to get the recognition that they're looking for. You know, right. somebody can say, man, I killed, you know, I killed 15 Pope and young deer. That just means they killed 15 deer over, let's say 125 or if they're right. typicals or whatever. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean they're in the Pope and young book. So even if Pope and young and Boone and Crockett go as far as like doing these things, I don't think it's going to stop the, the guy who's out there chasing that recognition from using every possible tool at his disposal to to do that right whether it's cell cameras or whether it's shooting 100 yards or whatever the case may be like there's this just crazy insane drive where almost like people will stop at nothing to you know shoot these big animals because they want those attaboys and those pats on the back from everybody who wants you know they want everybody to think that they're the greatest hunter in the world so that's a whole know, other man. topic. It really <laughs> it pisses yeah, me it off. Really is. <laughs> Believe me, it pisses me off too. And I've unfortunately not, not really unfortunately, I can't say I've lost friends, but I've gotten in some some pretty 
good arguments with with people about this that have maybe jeopardized our relationship. But I mean, I feel pretty strongly about that, and 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 that really bothers me about a lot of people. Right. You know, and the guys that I'm talking about, and you know these guys, they're the type of guys that shoot at a nice animal, and they're not satisfied with the one post on social media to say, "Hey, everybody, check out what I did." And everybody says, congratulations, much deserved, right? When you right. accomplish something good, it feels good, man, to have people tell you a good job and give you right. that like or that thumbs up. But these are the guys where it's like every week there's a new picture of the same deer <laughs> that you shot eight months ago. Throwback every, Thursday. Every throwback <laughs> Thursday and way back Wednesday and flashback Friday. It's the same thing over and over and over and over because they just they love that like. They love that attention. And that's kind of. And it, this isn't just limited to hunting. This is this is our society that we yeah. live in anymore. You know, it's anything and everything to get those likes because people like the way it makes them feel. But it is it does bother me in the hunting industry. I'm the type of guy where it's like, I shoot a good deer, or whatever I do, the post goes up. I want people to know. I appreciate the thanks and the congrats, and then that's it. Let's move on to the next accomplishment. I don't need to keep posting the same crap over and over again. Right. Absolutely. Now you mentioned something about cell cameras. All right. Yep. So the 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 trail camera now is slowly going getting connected to the phone, right? Yep. And I already know what the next big thing is gonna come. I don't know who's gonna do it, but someone's gonna do it. And it's gonna be the ability to somehow through your wireless provider to log in to your trail camera and check what is going on right now real-time views of the timber dude you can already do that you can already do that you could do it right now you could do it right now yeah with what there's what a, brand there's a there's a it's that's the thing it's not in the hunting industry the camera is called an arlo cam i want to say it's made by netgear or one of the bigger kind of tech providers but it's called an arlo go okay and so they make these arlo cams that are similar to like a drop cam you know what that is or like a Nest, like a security camera for yeah, your house, right? Right, right. Can, But that one connects to your Wi-Fi over your house, and you can log into it from your phone whenever you want, see what's going on live at your house, right? Watch your right. dog, watch your kids, make sure your wife's not having anybody <laughs> over when you're at work. <laughs> but now they have this Arlo camera, which is the same thing, but they make an Arlo Go, it's called, which connects to a cellular network and works just like a trail camera. You can set it up to where it uses passive infrared detection to detect when something walks in front of it and it starts recording or you can connect to that camera whenever you want with an app hit a button and it will show you a live feed from that camera right then is that too far i guess it all depends on what you do with it right i mean it's no differently than i can go buy a, a crossbow that shoots 100 yards doesn't mean I'm going to shoot a deer at 100 yards with it, right? Right, but it's helping you make your decision. I mean, if you knew, right, you're sitting in a tree stand. It's, it's the rut, right? You're sitting in a tree stand. You're like, Jesus, man, where's this deer at? I'm hunting him as hard as I can. Bing! Something pops on your phone or you say, well, I'm going to check what this camera's doing over here. There he is. He He's standing in a food plot or he's standing in the middle of a cornfield and he's right there. Aren't you going to try to make a move on that deer like from some, you know, some strategic and you're not going to go right to where that camera is, but sure. wouldn't you try to make a move on that deer right then and there? Yeah, I suppose I probably would probably would. I mean, it doesn't guarantee anything. It right. certainly gives you a leg up. 
you know, definitely. But I mean, is it really any different than, you know, you're in a stand and your buddy's driving around the, the property and he's like, Hey dude, there's a big buck standing over wherever. Like you're, it's a little bit more in your own control, you know, but ah, I don't right. know. I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky one. There's definitely a tricky one for sure. So let me ask you this. Are you a, are you a pro technology to the max or do, do you even have limits to what you would accept as far as technology is concerned? I got I got to say I'm probably a limit guy. Yeah. You know, like like not saying that I I care what anybody else does. I'm kind of a do your own thing kind of guy. But I mean like these range finding sites, cool idea. I mean the technology that Garmin put into that thing is freaking amazing of what they were able to accomplish, but I don't really see a huge need for it. Right. You know, like in in the way that I hunt and what I do, it's kind of like yeah, I mean, I guess like if I wanted to go buy a Ferrari to drive to work every day, granted I don't have enough money, but if I wanted to buy a, a nicer sports car to drive to work every day, I could, but I don't really, I don't really need to, right. you know. And, and that's how I feel about some of this stuff. It's kind of overkill, right? So I mean, like I probably would never use that site, even if somebody walked up and handed me one for free. It's kind of big and bulky, and it's just, eh, it's not really my thing, you know. I kind of like. I'm happy with what I've got right now. I don't see any need to change that. So, I mean, I'm kind of like a, I'm a, I'm a personal limit type of guy. Right. Like I don't you know if somebody else wants to use it and they think it's going to help them, then by all means have at it. All right. So with that, is, is there a product or a product category that you see? Let's, let's say, where do you see, the technology going in let's say a five seven ten year somewhere in that range where do you see it going uh in the hunting industry um is there any product category that you're like in seven years you will see this hmm that's a great question i don't know man to be honest with you i mean it's all about the electronic. So whatever, yeah. wherever, and we can put an electronic to do something for us. It seems like that's the trend, right? I mean, right. whether it's an arrow tracking device going inside the shaft of your arrow, or the range finding thing again, or what you know, cellular trail cameras. It's all about electronics. It seems like as far as like the real advancements. I don't know that we're going to see anything outside of that. Maybe in terms of like. Because, I mean, think about it. If we're trying to make stuff out of metal and plastic and wood, I mean, there's only so much they could do there. Right. You know, the, the advancements are really going to come from a technological perspective. Um, right. I don't know, just stuff with your phone, maybe something, some more phone. I mean, everything's, our lives revolve around these damn phones, you know. Right. I don't, did you see the Acubo thing that had, like, the augmented reality uh, where you strap your phone to it? Did you see that? No, I, I didn't. So are you familiar with the Acubo product and what it is? I am not. So the Acubo is kind of like a bow training device, if you will. Okay, it's like I know. A, it's, like yeah. a, it's like a carbon fiber riser, basically, with an exercise band yep, yep. strapped to it, yep. right? So okay. they came out with a, a version of that that you download an app to your phone, and you put the app – I'm sorry, you put the, your phone on the riser, phone <laughs> attaches to the riser, and – uh, using like the gyrometer or whatever the hell it's called inside your phone, it can tell kind of what angle you're at, um, how far you've drawn the bow back, and it basically projects a target like on the phone, 
and then you spin the bow around and you have to aim at this essentially virtual target. It's almost like you're looking through a sight at a target and you're able to shoot you know, at a target without actually needing an arrow, right? So you still get to draw the bow back. You got to have good form. You got to aim. You got to be steady. You trip the, the, uh, the release off, the, the bow goes off, and it shows you where you would have hit on that. It's like an Olympic-style target, right. you know, set out there at 50 yards or whatever. So I think we're going to probably see more stuff along those lines. I'm not sure really how it's going to incorporate into hunting. It might just incorporate into more like entertainment-type stuff uh, for us. Um, but I just see like a lot of stuff centering around this, you know, whether it's augmented reality or virtual reality stuff, like I think we're going to definitely see some more items in those categories. I have no idea what the hell they're going to be, but I would venture to say that we're going to, we're going to see something in there, you know, pretty soon. Right. I mean, here's another one for you. The new Tacticam that was just released, which is their 5.0 now gives you the ability to tether the camera to your phone and then live stream to Facebook from the Tacticam. So now you've got a camera mounted to the front of your bow or gun or whatever weapon you're using, and you can live stream your hunt, the shot and everything, right to Facebook from that, your Tacticam. Man, that's ridiculous. That's ballsy is what that is, because I don't know if I want everybody watching a live stream <laughs> of me shooting at animals, because... Right now, I could choose what to show and what not to show if or, something goes wrong. Not even that. Just imagine like a, a buck, a, a huge buck coming by, and you shank the shot. Just like a horrible miss. Not even close. Just how much – like people give me shit just because of who I am anyway. You know, Nine Finger Chronicles, <laughs> right? This guy's a joke, right? But if I, if I missed a deer, I would get shit for the rest of my life. Yeah, but if you miss a deer right now, you don't have to even tell anybody, right? It just kind of didn't happen. But if you're live streaming it, there's no going back at that point. <laughs> That's real. <laughs> Todd and I had a fun conversation one time. I think we were driving somewhere, and I was like, hypothetically, I'm like, have you ever released an arrow at a deer? Because him and I have been filming our hunts for, for eight years. I'm like, have you ever released an arrow at a deer that no – like?" that the footage just kind of disappeared and nobody ever knew about. I'm like, cause I will say hypothetically, I may have done that. And he's like, he's like, there may be an arrow or two somewhere in the woods, somewhere that came from my bow that I don't know how it got there. Let's just say that. Oh, I'll be completely honest about it. I, I straight up lied to one of my good friends one time. He's like, uh, Oh man, what'd you see tonight? I'm like, I didn't see shit. And I, I, dude, I, I missed a deer real bad and like real, real low. Um, and you know, not a giant by any right. means, but it was, uh, I just shot real, real low. And I'm just, yeah, I, I didn't, yep. even, I didn't nope. even see anything. Didn't see anything. Yeah. Slow night. Yeah. Mo- mo- think, wrong moon I think, face. I think we've all done that at some point in our lives. It's just par for the course in deer hunting. Well, I tell you what, Mr. Czar, I really appreciate you taking time to uh, come on and bullshit with me for a little bit about the show, uh, the, the no products problem, and, and all that stuff. And uh, it won't be the yeah. last time, my friend. No, definitely not. I mean, and for all the, you know, joking about the ATA show and everything aside, like it, it's a it's a ton of work for us. Right. I mean, right. I, we bring a lot of guys there. It costs us a lot of money. Like we really do work hard to to, yeah. you know, produce good content. It's not like. The old days, we used to go just kind of mess around and stay out too late at night doing things we shouldn't do and then right. sleep too late the next day. And 
now we kind of have a responsibility to, to, you know, to provide good content, but it is a great, great opportunity for people in the industry to get together, Absolutely. you know, to hang out, to see people you don't get to see all the time. I mean, we're all kind of spread across the country. It's nice to have everybody in one place and, you know, be able to, to just do that. I wish, honestly, there was more times every year that we could all get together and, and do that type of stuff. So, uh, it was great seeing you. It was great seeing a lot of the other guys. I know Ryan was there as well. So it was, uh, it's a good time, man. Absolutely. And, and just to echo what you said, uh, it's the, it's the largest concentration of like industry people who are, who are passionate about the animals and, it's not necessarily it's something that doesn't get brought to the attention as much as it probably should but because it a lot of it has to do with money and products and, you know making deals and you know I'm a hypocrite a little bit because I was there having having meetings for the Nine Finger Chronicles and the Sportsman's Nation and trying to get some some ad uh, advertising on there as well but it is a very large concentration of influencers people who are very passionate about hunting and and love it and you know that's why they're in that room yeah definitely yeah no it's all it's all good stuff i like you i wish some of the conservation efforts got a little bit more play than they do you know unfortunately you know it's not the it's not the flash it's not the sizzle it's not the headline you know but there are a lot of people working hard behind the scenes to make sure that you know, hunting has a future and that deer hunting has a future and that there's people that are looking out for the, the welfare of these animals, you know, that we all love to hunt so much because without that, you know, none of this exists without the ability for us to go do what we love to do. So, I mean, there's a lot of very hardworking people out there that don't get a lot of notoriety for the work that they're putting into the, you know, the conservation efforts and further supporting, you know, bow hunting or archery or just hunting in general. Um, so, I mean, those are the people that really make this whole thing go around. Well, sir, thanks again for your time. No and, problem. And, uh, I'm going to have to get you I out again. Yeah, definitely. We'll do this again. I have to go now shoot a bunch of arrows cause I leave next week for Pennsylvania to go shoot in the Lancaster archery classic. And I'm going to get absolutely smoked because I am <laughs> not a target shooter, but Todd and I agreed to do this. So I'm, I'm, every night I'm in my basement shooting, you know, 30 to 40 arrows to get ready for this thing. So that's what I'm going to do. And there you have it. Huge shout out to Justin for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time, man. Thank you very much. And, you know, if you don't know about bowhunting.com or bowhunter die web show, you're probably living under a rock because they're freaking gigantic. But go to bowhunting.com. It's pretty simple, and you can catch all the information, uh, content that those guys put out. It's pretty kick ass. And let's see, that's about it. Anyway, huge shout out to all of you for downloading and listening to the podcast and all of the offerings on the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. I like I told you. A while ago and i'm telling you again keep an eye out for the sportsman's nation big game slash western rss feed it's a completely new rss feed but it's going to revolve around western hunting and uh, i already have a lineup set it's just a matter of getting things organized and getting things built it's coming hopefully by mid-february we will have it and uh look 
to that. Huge shout out to the partners of this podcast. Lone Wolf, Ozonics, Gearhead, Wasp, Exodus, Bighorn Outfitters, Ripcord, and Gearhead. I think I named all of them there. Go support those companies because they support this podcast. Instagram, Facebook, Nine Finger Chronicles, Instagram, Facebook, Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. Also, be sure to listen to the other podcasts that are on this feed, dude. They are packed full of good information. Transition Wild, Nine uh, Nine Finger Chronicles, obviously, Land and Legacy, and the DIY Sportsman. There is a little bit of everything in all of these podcasts. And if you're a serious outdoorsman and serious uh, bow hunter and whitetail freak, man, right now, all of those things, all the topics covered will uh, have some kind of interest to you. What else? What else? What else? Go to iTunes, leave a review. Most importantly, subscribe to the podcast, right? Wherever you wherever you download your podcast, subscribe. And, uh, you know, the more uh, feedback I guess I get from this, the more... Uh, I'll be able to do, you know, I have very big plans for the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, so uh, keep an eye out because things are going to blow up, and uh, I want all of you guys to be a part of it. Other than that, guys, I'm telling you right now, please, 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 if you're going to be in a tree ever hunting or tearing down or setting up, whatever, wear your damn safety harness. Have a good weekend.